that connection is important. It can still happen. So I think also people are scared to be alone. And what they're not realizing is they already feel alone. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. If you're not excited already, you're about to be. And I'm going to tell you this. Share this out with at least three people. But you're going to want to share this with more than three people when we're done because of the fire that's going to come on in this episode today. And this is, the reason I ask this is because we don't put out promotions, ads. We don't take sponsors, anything. The only reason why we're in 38 plus countries right now is because of you. And in order to impact more people, we need your help. So share this out today with at least three people, but just start thinking as we go and start making a list and take notes for yourself. Because today my guest has been quietly coaching clients on personal transformation for over a decade. That's interesting, right? Uh, you know, her coaching is no personal experience, but social media, but her first ever post on TikTok about how women, including herself, are the ones initiating divorce. And it went viral. We're going to talk about that today because I think the stat is, is staggering as far as how many women initiate divorce versus men. We're going to dive into that today because my guest is awesome, Gemma Rain. What's shaking? That's a great intro. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Well, thanks. I, uh, I'm glad to have you here. And, you know, we were talking, my, uh, my team is excited to have you here, too, because of perspectives. And I'm sure they're excited to see the exchange between us, too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right on. So I, I threw out a stat at the beginning of this, right? And mm-hmm. we're going to dive right into this because the, the stat that, that you gave us was 80% of divorces are initiated by women. Can you Correct. unpack that a little bit for me? The whys, the, the how they even get to that point to where it's, are the men cowards to where they're unhappy? I mean, what, what is it? Um, Well, it's multi-layered, I would say, in large part, it's because often marriages are ending because of a crisis of connection in the marriage. And because the emotional labor has been the responsibility of women, they're tracking the connectedness in the relationship. Mm. And so because they're monitoring it, they're, they're aware of their lack of fulfillment if they feel disconnected from their partners, right? Whereas I think um, men aren't as aware, they're not tracking it. And the women are the ones bringing it up with their partners. And unfortunately, they're usually dismissed. So they get to a point in the relationship where they felt unfulfilled for too long. And it also leads to them feeling uncared for, right? They will know cognitively, my partner loves me, but I don't feel loved. There's a huge difference there between knowing you're loved and not feeling loved. And if you remain in a relationship where you don't feel cared for for too long, not only are you lonely, and we know now from you know our Surgeon General, from Vivek Murthy, loneliness is an epidemic, it, it, it diminishes your sense of self-worth to remain in a relationship when you don't feel cared for, right? And so then at a certain point, they just say, I know I deserve more than this and I'm ready to go. Wow. So there's something you said towards the beginning of of Mm -hmm. that wonderful dissertation was around that women are the emotional, did you say timekeepers or the emotional tracker? The emotional tracker of the relationship? The lion's share of the emotional labor. So 
helping other people navigate their emotions and paying attention. I mean, it's, it, it covers so much, right? It's also, it's not just with their partners, it's with friends, it's with family, it's with coworkers. And so, and it's invisible labor. So they're also not often appreciated for that, for the, for the caring and the nourishing of the relationships in their lives. Yeah, that's interesting. You also said something that stuck out too, is that when these things are brought up typically by women in the relationship, Mm -hmm. which I believe very much to be true, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, can we talk? But men are typically dismissive of this. Why is that? I think men are typically very sensitive to feelings of inadequacy. And so where they go in their heads and I don't know that I don't think they're aware of this is yeah. I'm failing. I'm failing her. I'm failing at this. There's such discomfort around that. And so they either get defensive or they shut down. So in some conversations, women will tell me that their partner said nothing. And so think about this. The woman is saying, I'm in pain here. And their partner either doesn't say anything or says, you're crazy. You're going through a phase. You don't know what you're talking about. You're overreacting. I can't do anything to make you happy. Or, so that's direct dismissal. It feels really disrespectful and hurts. Or um, it's indirect, like in my case, where my ex-husband was very caring in the moment. And yet the next day he carried on as if we never had the conversation until I brought it up again and again. Was there any, in that case, if I could dive into that real quick, was there any real resolution or action steps that came out of conversations like that? No. There wasn't. Okay. That's why I was curious because it's like, yeah, it sounded like almost like your husband at the time was just trying to get through the arguments. And then as soon as the argument was done, he's like, okay, I can move back to whatever I was doing now. Is, Is that accurate? Well, I, I like to change the language a little bit. It's interesting. It, it's, um, and I think this may be a little bit of a, I'm curious from you, a little bit of yeah. a male perspective too, that you went to the word argument, right? It's this feeling of, uh-oh, it's conflict. We're on opposing sides. And the way that I was initiating the conversation was very much in this tone, right? I, it wasn't a complaint. It was a, hey, we're disconnected. We have to figure this out. There were no insults. There was no blaming, no criticizing. It was, I'm feeling alone in this relationship. And he and I are both the children of therapists. We were raised by therapists. So we know disconnection is the kiss of death for a relationship, right? So it was a conversation and I think he didn't know what to do. Yeah, that was an intentional word, by the way, because it, coming from a male perspective with, with an argument, that's that's a lot of what it can be, you know. And it's you know, it's taken me years of self work work to understand that that's not the case. To have your your guard let down as a man to be able to allow that conversation to take place rather than the immediate defenses to go yes. up. So it's it's very much a natural response, I feel, of, of males or women Mm -hmm. who have taken a masculine role in the relationship. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute too. I think that's a really interesting topic that, um, you know, we all have masculine and feminine energy in us. And I can tell one of the um, effects of being uncared for, feeling uncared for in your relationship with some women when I'm working with them, their masculine energy is is much more dominant because they've built up some walls from feeling uncared for they've kind of 
forgotten how to receive, right? They know how to give. So it's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, it's almost like trying to fill the gap yourself that was never meant to be filled by you. Exactly. (laughs) It's meant to be part of the coupling, but now because that's missing, what do you do over time? You figure out a way to kind of sort of supplement that on your own, but it really never fills the void, does it? You know, yeah, one of the reasons that I think it doesn't is because it's about learning how to care for yourself. And so actually men and women are both fairly lousy at this, right? <laughs> right, True. because guys are yeah. looking to external um, appreciation, validation, recognition. I call it chasing gold stars. Men are really taught that and conditioned by society to think that their worth is contingent upon their career success. Yeah. Right, being providers, that's all external. That can be taken away from you at any moment. And they also are steered away from learning how to experience and move through unpleasant emotions besides anger. Right. Women are caring for others. They're taught that their value is in caring for others over themselves. So they also don't know how to care for themselves. No doubt. And talking about the catalyst to get to that point. So we're, you know, in divorces, it's 80% of the women are typically the initiators. This is all getting them to that point. But there's something Uh else interesting that that you've provided to us too, is that that figure goes from 80% to 90% in women that are college educated. Uh Why in the world Uh is that? I think it has to do with their understanding that they can support themselves financially, you know, and women who haven't gone to college can do that as well. It's just there can be more fear around that. And so part of the shift I think that needs to happen now is that it's important for men to expand their sense of worth beyond how they're doing in their career to understand it's not about their doing. It's not about task oriented activities. It's about, it's about their being, Yeah. right? Women are basically saying, can you please you know, be with me, be present with me, connect with me. That's your value, right? Women can support themselves financially. Oh, so of course. Yeah. Right? So we're at a point where we need, if, and the men puff up around that, like, yeah, but I'm a great provider. Look at the life I'm providing you. And in a lot of these situations, um, they're not being great providers, possibly, and or the women are sometimes bringing in more household income anyway. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There's a scenario, and I, I, don't, I don't, whatever. When he listens to this, my brother. Okay, <laughs> I'll talk about my brother and his life. Okay, you know, they. Um, she, she makes more than him. I mean, she's a CPA now, you know, and he's working uh-huh. as a as a support manager, a tech support manager for Cars.com. And for okay. the longest time, you know, the the, uh, the income proportion has been that that she has made more than he has. And uh-huh. I, I'm actually saying this in a compliment because at the same time, that almost has no play in how they view their marriage with each other. You know, they've actually got a very healthy view of that and it doesn't intimidate him in this role either because, but here's why I think why, you know, it's because that he does, he is very good at being present with his wife he, mm-hmm. to where when she comes home from work, when he comes home from work, it's actually even more traditional to where she feels like she can receive and still allow his masculinity, his positive masculinity to be in that rightful place in their home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the, it's like, who cares who makes more, even though she knows that of course she could supply for herself. And I'm sure this is the case in a lot of places now, you know, especially men in traditional uh, trade type work, you know, or, or something mm-hmm. like that where women, mm-hmm 
-hmm. might be the executive, you know, and uh, similar to to this kind of scenario. And they're making, you know, sometimes one and a half, two times the amount of their husbands. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. But at the same time. And he's not threatened by that. Exactly. Not at all. So tell me what you think about this. When you tell me that story, I think part of the reason he's not threatened is because he understands that his worth is about who he is. That's exactly it. Bingo. Okay. Yeah. And bringing to the table, it's like, well, I'm, I can still be the quote unquote man of the house. And this is by no means a sexist comment at all. I'm talking mm-hmm. about positive masculinity, which yep. I think there's a lot of that that's lost in society today to yep. personal opinion, you know, and some of it has to do with, um, like you're saying to where the men are not present, but their focus is in the wrong place. Exactly what you're saying. It's for external Mm -hmm. validation rather than Mm -hmm. the coupling to fulfill those emotional needs that each in that relationship need. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that I've noticed that's really interesting to me is that men will use the skills of emotional and relational intelligence in their careers. They're using them every day. (laughs) And then they'll say to me, I don't know what happens. I just, I can't do it in my relationship. I can't. (laughs) Yeah, they they don't bring it home with them. And it's fascinating to me because they'll tell me stories about how they've navigated work situations and and they're brilliantly navigated right they're they're using all this yes they're attuning to the other person i mean think just think about business negotiations right you're listening for the other person's needs you're curious about them you want to understand them on a deeper level you want to make sure that your clients feel heard right and you know you talk about growing a business why are we not talking about growing relationships yeah how do right. you feel that that's a good perspective too? How do you feel about the the difference in rate of growth between a husband and a wife? You know, if if one might not be looking to grow and the other one is, you know, what what do you? How, I guess let's uh, there's layers in this one too, right? How do you define growth? What do you see as the pace? Are they should they be simultaneous? Is it working on yourself and working on the marriage? What what do you feel about growth in a relationship? I think it's so important, and I think the relationship isn't going to thrive. And the balance is something to always be played with. It's not always going to be the right balance, but for each person in the partnership to be investing in their own personal growth and investing in the growth of the relationship. And so another very common pattern is that the men will invest in their growth to advance their careers, right? (laughs) And the women will invest in the growth of the relationship and the the deep connectedness of the relationship. And at a certain point, and they may already be investing in their personal growth. And at a certain point that they recognize they're unfulfilled, they'll often invest even more in their personal growth. And Mm. if the men aren't doing so for personal reasons beyond their careers, they'll kind of lag behind. Interesting. Yeah. And the women then outgrow the relationship. Wow. That's hard hitting, I'm sure, for anybody that's hitting or that's listening at this point, too. And you, you used a, a very good phrase there, too, when you said that they will outgrow the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost as if the, the relationship itself just stays where it's at. Stagnant. Yeah, exactly. And then as you invest in yourself and become more emotionally intelligent, more emotionally mm-hmm. aware and mature, then you mm-hmm. realize it's like this relationship, since it's not moving forward, doesn't really serve me anymore. Absolutely. I'm bored. Yeah. It's not to say this person is boring. It's to say, I'm bored in here. Where's the stimulation? Where's the inspiration? You know, we also want a certain degree of challenge and curiosity to keep us growing and learning. 
right? And yeah. if it's not there, you also, for women, we don't want to be the experts on growth within the relationship. We want to be inspired and stimulated by our partner too. We want to be learning from them or they're saying, hey, guess what I heard today? What do you think of this? Or, you know, it, we want to be stimulated in that way too, in terms of intellectual intimacy. Oh, no doubt. Uh, that's, it's not just all about sex, is it? <laughs> no. And I think the other part that men aren't getting is that if we don't have the emotional intimacy, the physical intimacy suffers too. You know, I will hear clients say to me, some will say, oh no, everything's fine with the sex. And then they'll tell me about such a, a a long-term disconnection in the marriage. And I think there's no way, there's no way yeah. that the physical intimacy is actually intimate. And then as you know, we work together, then sure enough, it comes out that, yeah, they're, they're it's having sex with weeks. their partner yeah. Yeah, or, or years or yeah. I, they're doing it out of obligation. Yeah. It's like yeah. this Saturday night obligatory sex. It's a function because, now at this right? point. Yeah. Right. So, so in order for the physical intimacy to actually feel um, connective and intimate and passionate, you want to have the emotional yeah. and the intellectual and the experiential intimacy as well. And guys are, the interesting thing is both people in the relationship and these hetero relationships are longing for intimacy. They're just trying to get it from different angles. That's so intriguing. Uh, I'm going to go back to the stat real quick because I'm going to take the inverse if I can for a moment. Okay. Because <laughs> you know, if it's 80% typically that women initiate, those one out of five guys, you yeah. know, what happens with them to where they're like, okay, this isn't serving me anymore? It's often a similar thing. They may not be identifying it in the same way, but they're not feeling seen, appreciated. Um, they're not feeling a sense of connection either. And so sometimes they're going to, and women do this too, they go looking for it elsewhere. You know, there's a lot of women in long-term relationships when they're feeling unfulfilled and suddenly they find themselves in an emotional affair because somebody else is, is seeing them is right. And so for men, it, it tends to be the same reasons. I just don't know that they're identifying it in that way. Yeah. They're just saying sense. I'm not happy. Yeah. Right. For sure. And it, it's the difference too, because it, I firmly believe that women are generally emotionally more connected than men are. It's, it's how we're wired. <laughs> you know, I also yeah. think, you know, I know what you're saying. And I, and I also think that it's important for us to um, be a little more or a lot more focused on, on our similarities because yes, our brains are different. Yes. There's different hormones. There are biological differences and we have been conditioned to think that we are much more different than we are. And that's part of the problem, right? So as long as we keep thinking that we are so different, then we will keep, we will continue to assign the emotional labor to women because we're just assuming they're better at it. Guys are then assuming, I, I just, I don't get this. I can't do it well. So then they're going to shy away from it. When you look at young children, they're equally intuitive. They're equally compassionate. Boys and girls. Oh, yeah. And I then, have boy, girl, twins. Right? I see it. <laughs> see? Okay, yes. good. Perfect. Right. I've seen you know? it since they were first looking at each other and smiling at each other when they were three mm -hmm. months old. I've seen it. Yeah. And then men are steered away from that. So I have a lot of compassion for men because they are told to man up from the time they are young kids, which essentially means value your independence 
Um, and at a certain point, it means value power over others, mm. right? Um, to earn your, your, your place and your confidence and your sense of worth. And then they're struggling on their own emotionally. They're told to disconnect from themselves emotionally. That's painful. That is. You know? Yeah, especially if that, I could see that happening too, when women can take on this masculine role in the relationship and all of a sudden, you know, there is no more crying that they'll do. There, there is no more emotional outburst that's almost kind of like flatline, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I did a little it, bit of that. Yeah, yep. you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell did. me about my, that experience. So my ex said to me, now I'm somebody who in general is in, a, in any conversation, I've gotten to the point where I can be in the conversation and also kind of witnessing it as a third party, even once I get emotionally triggered, because yeah. then I can catch myself going, oh, you're being a little emotionally triggered right now. That which takes work. Good it, it does. Yes. It takes a lot of practice, yeah. right? But then you can stay calm and then you can continue to kind of... Um, look at the dynamic that's playing out, right? And at the same time, if I'm calm, my understanding is people are going to hear me better, right? So I was intentionally calm in these conversations. And yet um, my ex said to me after we split up, if you had been crying when you were telling me you were unhappy, I would have heard it more, right? And so initially I thought, wait, so I'm being (laughs) blamed by how I brought my pain to you. And then I realized, you know, there's a wiring in our brain in terms of mirror neurons. You know, when you see someone else crying, you do feel that in you. There is, there is something there. Like women will say, why does my partner only recognize my pain when I'm crying? Right. When, and so there's something that happens there too, in terms of our, in terms of the neuroscience of it. Oh, I don't doubt that either. That's almost like a vulnerability of the feminine side of you too. Mm-hmm. And men yearn that for real. Mm-hmm. We really do yearn that to mm-hmm. see the woman that we care about actually be able to be exposed bare naked emotionally to us so that we can uh, yes. step into the fullness of our positive masculin- masculinity and say, I've got you. I'm here for you. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of the things that I was saying is I sometimes need to hear from you. It's going to be okay. I've got you. I don't want to be the one that always has to say that. Yeah. Right. And so I think for me, as my masculine energy, as we've been talking about, kind of became a little more dominant. It was about, I don't trust I'm going to be cared for. I'm going to be spoken to always with respect and kindness. However, I'm not trusting that I'm going to be emotionally cared for. Yeah. I hear you. So my walls go up, right? For sure. That's an, it's an interesting segue too, because it's, you have the, in relationships to where you're emotionally disconnected now at this point, but Mm -hmm. even though, you know, it's 80% of women that typically initiate it in, in this, or it's typically women that 80% of the time I should more accurately say initiate divorce. What about those that don't, you know, because where you're coming from, you know, they see the issues, they feel disconnected, but why is it so hard to leave that relationship? Even, you know, especially if, if that person is considered a nice guy or a nice girl. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if we, if we just touch on the nice guy dynamic or a nice girl dynamic, like um, part person. of that is, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what makes it hard is that you don't want to hurt them. Yeah. And you, we're told in terms of nice guys, we're told that there's a lot of assholes out there, right? So if you find that rare, nice guy, you're so lucky. And and you are, you know, I, I was always, 
the way that my ex interacted with me was always with respect. He valued my opinions. I knew he adored me. You know, he was very supportive of me. Uh, we had a really strong friendship. And so even once I recognized I was unfulfilled, I was telling myself, who are you to think that you can go out there and leave a nice guy and find something better? All these other women are suffering with assholes. Why do you deserve better? Yeah. Right. You already I think have. You just gave better. a checklist of the asshole too, by the way. Listening to Jeva right now. Yeah. She, just listened to, she was explaining what her ex was not. If yours is mm-hmm. that way, reality mm-hmm. check. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so there's a number of things like for me, I thought, am I going to ever find someone who loves me in this way? He really loves me. And then I realized, oh, here's this thing again. I don't actually sometimes feel that loved. I don't hmm. feel, and, and, and this was just at the end of the marriage because we were happy. We were married for 20 years. So yeah. we were happy and connected for a very long time. And that's one of the reasons why I was compelled to step forward with that initial TikTok video, right? Is that even if you've been very connected, the disconnection at a certain point, if it goes on for too long, look what happens with people who know how to communicate with each other, who yeah. get that connection is important. It can still happen. So I think also people are scared to be alone. Though, and what they're not realizing is they already feel alone. That's It's like we're linked. <laughs> is, that, mm-hmm. is that when mm-hmm. you're scared to be alone in that moment? Yes. The reality check is that you already are. Yeah. You already feel alone. Loneliness is not about physical proximity, the pain of it. It's about the emotional experience of being disconnected. Yeah. And then if you stay in that area, it's like you're choosing to be lonely mm-hmm. in that in that position. It's like there, there's nothing that you can step into or that you feel you can step into to change that, to create some environment to where you will not be alone. You're choosing to mm-hmm. stay in that place right now where you are alone, quite literally, emotionally, physically, everything alone, even though you are mm-hmm. still married. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you'll listen to people talk about this, you know, I mean, in this situation, because it's usually women deciding to leave, they'll talk about, I feel like a single parent. I feel like I've been abandoned. They're already doing so much on their own already. And so what's really going to be probably true in those scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what is going to be harder if you're actually on your own and then they don't, Oh, there's this realization. (laughs) Like I'm already doing it all. So maybe it'll be okay. You say that question again, though. What is going to be harder, please? yeah, what is going to be harder if you leave the relationship and you're on your own? If you're already doing, if you're already so self-sufficient, yeah, right? It gives you the time when you leave. It's great if you can, you know, be alone for a bit, right? Before you enter another relationship to reconnect with yourself. That's a huge part of this when we're talking about um, mm. the balance of investing in your own growth. The balance in, yeah. a, in a healthy relationship is investing in yourself and the relationship. Right. And so when women are unhappy in a relationship, there's so much focus on all that their partner isn't doing. There's so much external focus. And so it's important for them to return to learning how to connect and care for themselves. Wow. Wow. So you you were married for 20 years and yeah. yeah, And then it was, you recognize you still like this person. You still love this person. It's just that you weren't fulfilled. Where, Mm -hmm. where did you, if I may ask, where did you feel that unfulfillment? Because it sounds like your checklist of asshole didn't apply. No, no. But how, how are you still unfulfilled? 
Um, you know, that's a really good question. And a lot of, a lot of men are emailing me to ask that because they're saying, wait, I don't understand. I'm watching your videos and you keep saying all these, you know, nice things about your ex and they're all very true, right? He's a wonderful man. And the lack of fulfillment comes from feeling disconnected, Mm. right? You're not engaged with it. And so we were still very friendly with each other. And then you start to realize, well, this is feeling more like a friendship and would we have these conversations with our neighbors that we know? Probably. So do you know what I mean? And, 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 yeah. and I'll say that to men too. I'll say, I don't understand. She wants me to talk to her every day about what's going on with me. And I think I am. And I'll say, okay, well tell me a little bit about the last conversation that you think was connective. And they will. And I'll say, would you have that conversation with your neighbor? Uh, yeah, I would. Then it doesn't feel intimate to her doesn't feel special right so for me because I'm in the space of personal growth I was also just I'm always learning 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 and wanting to have those conversations um this is just in terms of what's a good fit for me personally not for everybody but for me is someone else who um not just enjoys talking about those topics my ex did but I need to be learning from them as well I need to have that that type of intellectual stimulation about wow. personal that's just my fit so that that was that at a certain point didn't work for me and 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 like we've talked about experiential intimacy there was a lack of us having you know adventures together experiences of novelty exploration discovery yep yep i hear you well your tipping point, because I'm going back to how you were describing, and you know, which is a lot again of typical males, that which is why I used the word argument before, and then your mm-hmm. ex would go on to being like, "Oh, that conversation never happened yesterday," you know, right. when did, or even how did it get to the point to where you were saying, "Okay, for real this time, we need to go our own ways." And yeah. When did that finally sink in for you, and how did he actually accept that? if you would forget the conversations. (laughs) Well, because um, when I was bringing them up and talking about the disconnection, I was still giving the message, I'm still in this. I want us to work on this. Mm. And then this, and then, I talk in one of my videos about the the straw that broke the camel's back moment. There was an exchange with um, a pattern that had existed throughout our relationship that I really thought, I don't want to sign on for this anymore. This doesn't Mm. feel good to me. And I don't think this particular pattern is going to change and I'm tired of it. And, and in addition to the disconnection, that was the straw that broke the camel's back and COVID had hit and COVID quarantine. And I'd been asking for quality time together. And the only, the reason that we hadn't been having quality time together was because of work schedules. And so again, I think he didn't know what to do. And at the same time, I was saying, we have to figure this out. What's the priority here, right? If we're just passing ships in the night, which is what so many people tell me about the relationships, that exact, you know, phrase, um, the distractions were all gone when we were in quarantine. In COVID. Yeah. And so I realized I've been asking for more quality time together. Now yeah. we have the opportunity to be together and this isn't feeling better to me. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Wow. So then I came forward to say, um, and you know, and in that conversation, that was a very emotional conversation because I realized I was 
done and I knew I was hurting him. And even though I'd been telling him for the last handful of years, I'm unhappy in this, he was hearing it in a different way because he knew that I was, I can't do this anymore. Right. And so in terms of you asked about his acceptance of it, the acceptance, you know, it's almost like the stages of grief, right? There isn't acceptance initially. There's bargaining, there's denial, and then the acceptance of it starts to to hit. And um, and you're watching your partner move through all these stages, especially when you're in quarantine, move yeah, through all yeah. these stages of grief. It's really, really hard. Do you feel like some of those stages of grief can actually start happening before the conversation? Because you know. That's, a, that's such a good question. I think they do for the women. I think that um, in the same way, both people in the partnership have actually been engaging in self-deception, right? So the women have these moments of great clarity of, I don't know if I can stay in this. And then the idea of leaving is terrifying. And so they slide back into self-deception. Like, no, I can stay. I can stay. I have some hope. And then the men are denying too. They're on some unconscious level, they know there's disconnection, mm. but they're distracting themselves with work. They're denying as well, right? And so, I'm not really sure. They're not letting it into their consciousness that this is a possibility. So, I think the women start grieving earlier, and then they're the bad guys. Yeah. So, it, that's a tough pill to swallow too, right? You've been suffering. You've been expressing how you've been suffering. It's been dismissed, and now you're the asshole for ending the relationship. You're the one who's labeled as the bad guy, as the person who's betraying, you know, the, the partnership, who's breaking up the family, you know, all of those labels. You're selfish, you're heartless. Wow. How do you overcome those labels? Because I'm sure you might, especially uh, having a nice guy, you know, like yeah, you did. Yeah, because I know they're not true. Boom. Right? I, I, I you know, I've been called heartless by people who, you know, were, I've heard those conversations, unfortunately overheard some of those. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know, to me, that's just a denial of taking some accountability of what went on. And I also understand it's a defensive, you know, um, description of what went on. And I, I, anyone who knows me knows that I'm actually the opposite. I am so heart centered. Right. So it's not true. I can tell just even in your mannerisms. <laughs> <laughs> There's sometimes I'll go back and watch the show and I'll, I'll mute it. Yeah. You know, and I'll just watch oh, the that's... individual. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really interesting. Okay. I'll... I'm gl- I'm so glad you brought that up <laughs> because tell me what skill that is strengthening in you. Oh, it's, it's easily like it goes back. It's profiling for me. That, that's what it is to help understand people's body languages, because that goes back to legitimate training I've had in surveillance and elicitation, you know, okay. but, but reading people that way, it helps me because there's the, like, there's someone I entered into business with recently and it mm-hmm. was from a podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a look after the fact, you know, cause it, it extremely intelligent sounding on the, on the show itself. And then I did that. I went back and I muted it and I looked at it like, Whoa, <laughs> it's like where, I was not paying attention to the body language <laughs> with this. But, but you were, do you, do you think you were taking it on some level or no? Pro- probably on some level. Yeah. But then I dismissed it because of the, uh, how the articulate words. this individual was. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So I also think you're probably using that skill in your relationship. Oh yeah. Right. That is a skill of reading, of attuning to somebody else's emotional yeah. 
environment, right? So it's one of the exercises that I give couples is to watch a show, put it on mute mm-hmm. and pause it at certain times and each write down what, what, ex- what emotion they think the person on screen is expressing and yeah. then compare because we also misread people's nonverbal cues of all course. the time, yep, facial expressions. It. And, but it's, a, it's, it's such a great thing to learn how to do. Yeah, it is. And words mean a lot to me. I mean, they really do, especially the, the choice of words, but me then too. it's also matching up because if there's, if there's a mismatch in between the body language and the words, then I, I'm immediately more apprehensive, you know? So I'll look at the body language, but I love doing that. I love going back to the show. And, yeah. And it's muting. fascinating, yes, right? It is. Psychologically. So, yeah. And, and what you said is also really important. I have recognized in myself that I am easily seduced by words. I have to be very careful. So if somebody presents as having high emotional intelligence, I want to continue engaging with that person. And yet you have to, the same with the body language, you have to pay attention to the actions Yeah, because they can completely contradict or not support the words. And the person is out of integrity and they're not, the words express who they want to be, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's yet they it. may not yes. be that person yet. Yep. That's it. That's yeah. I wish I had like a rewind button. I'm going to work on that for the show. You know, <laughs> that's the second time you've said something today. I'm like, ask that question again. But this is that's that's so amazing. The words express who they want to be. Yeah. But in their actions and in their body language, how they're actually portraying themselves is really who they are. Yeah. And so we want to be. We want to continue to look at ourselves and welcome feedback from the people that we trust in our lives yeah. to also help us see where we're out of integrity because we're all out of integrity sometimes, right? Yep. Where the words are not matched, where our words aren't matching our actions. And for some people, they are really out of integrity. And so you're maybe not going to keep them in your lives, For right? Sure. Because it's hurtful. Yeah. No doubts. This is a fun conversation. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's a, I'm seeing this society disconnect too, especially after last year, you know, with, with COVID and I'm, I'm, I have hopes in this because we talked a lot about positive masculinity and there's also positive femininity yeah, <laughs> that yeah. should exist in a relationship too. And when those get out of whack and out of balance, but there should be, and there can be, I feel shifts in that, you know, depending yes. on what's needed in that time, especially when kids come into play. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's so different because it's, it just requires a different scenario because not all relationships have the, the traditional nine to five, you know, mm-hmm. especially with entrepreneurs to where it, it mm-hmm. makes sense for the, the female in the relationship to have to take on those roles temporarily. But then that's what you're saying is carrying that emotional load too, right? Absolutely. So with parenting, like, you know, and you're a dad, I I think the great thing is that more, more fathers are understanding now just how important they are to their children. I think there's been a lot of evolution with that. You know, when I look at my father's generation, they didn't really understand how much they meant to us. Right. And they didn't, they didn't understand their role. They were handing it over a lot to, if they were with women to, to the women. Right. And so this generation of fathers is, is often much more involved. And yet, even when they are, even when they're very caring, nurturing dads, there still can be this, um, the emotional labor can still sometimes be handed over to the women, right? And so, and in part it's because it's important for men to learn how to navigate their own emotional landscape more so that they can sit there in a caring way. You know, men get criticized a lot for jumping in too early with solutions, 
right? <laughs> yes. um, and sometimes just criticized for, you know, that they're trying to fix things. Well, those solutions are actually very valuable. It's just the timing of when they enter into the conversation that until somebody feels seen and heard in terms of what, they, what they're going through, they're not in a space to be solution focused, right? Yeah. Um, and yet sometimes I think men are overly criticized in terms of as if those, the talking about solutions and brainstorming about them is not valued at all. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. That, yeah, I can see the, the disconnect on both sides, but that probably mm-hmm. happens and maybe even can cause part of that disconnection that you've talked about too. Because if, yeah. if, if the, the woman doesn't feel seen or heard in the relationship, mm-hmm. it could go back to what you were talking about with your ex as far as, mm-hmm. I d- and when I use the word argument, I just need to get through this argument and everything's going to be cool. So I'm going to mm-hmm. come up with the fix as fast as I possibly can. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. And I think that there's also this conditioning for, especially for men in society to perceive things in this oppositional way, right? Because they're taught in terms of power over or power under, they're taught winning, losing, right? They're taught yeah. sides. So you'll hear them talk about like, well, whose side are you on? Who? Why are there sides? Yeah, why isn't exactly. this a partnership? Why aren't yes. we on the same page? Right? So when women are saying, I feel disconnected, I feel lonely, they're not saying we're on opposing sides. They're yeah. saying we're in this together. Can we please figure this out? They're not saying you're a terrible person. Go fix this. They're saying, hey, can we figure this out together? And so I think we need to also move away from that polarized way of thinking more towards collaboration. Men are actually, you know, steered away from collaborative thinking. For sure, pushed away almost. In yeah, those, shamed. Uh, yes, exactly. Especially if a, a female will take on more of that masculine role in the relationship too, because what you're saying is, uh, as far as bringing that, I'm going to win this attitude right when the conversation starts and, and you take it as an argument, I feel that women can also do the same when they've taken on more of that masculine role in the relationship, mm-hmm. like saying, mm-hmm. fired up, I'm going to come into this and I'm going to I'm going to win this. You know, they're going, it's mm-hmm. like, I have a grievance and I'm going to freaking win this you know as they start so it's not it's not a conversation anymore you know no it's a competition <laughs> yes exactly it's a competition yeah and and our brains are rewarded for a feeling of being right and winning they're chemically rewarded for that so it's a problem right yeah. it creates even more distance and so we kind of have to catch ourselves and people will will move into that i need to win position when they don't feel heard like the most powerful thing someone can do at the beginning of a conversation is say i can see how you'd feel that way you don't have to agree with the other person's point of view you just you just want to understand it so it's i can see how you would feel that way tell me more about that get curious about it right what's happening that you're feeling that way that that's what's so confusing to me is if somebody is saying that they're unhappy with some aspect of the relationship, why are you not curious? Yeah, right on. Right? Right on. You know, so, so can I ask you a question in terms of your, as somebody who thinks about and invests in personal development? Please. Yeah. I'm not being what interviewed. Is, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a coach. So this happened what, yesterday uh, with a psychiatrist. Oh, no, really? <laughs> okay. Putting you in the hot seat on your own show. Oh, no, it's good. I mean, we, we both ended up crying with each other on the show yesterday, uh, too. So oh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what 
is your understanding of how you effectively create meaningful connection with the people in your lives, your life? Yeah, a lot of that is what you're saying is asking the questions. And even though I think it's a it's a tempered instinct now because that instinct has always been there. It still always is, especially with being an entrepreneur to mm-hmm. jump in there with the solutions. And a yeah. lot of times it's interesting because it's a lot of times my solutions are typically to try to create more connection. You know, oh, be, because I can tell me I, more about that. I can identify the things like, okay, well, maybe we should spend some more time together. Maybe we should put some priorities on on the activities that we have together. You know, yeah. How about we set aside some time to just have a conversation, like an emotional check in kind of a thing? You know, yes. Just a, and, and it goes to that because I'll recognize, and it's not. It, when there's a when there's a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I I've been saying this for a long time too. It's like I'm not here to compete with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Th- that's not it. I don't I don't want anybody to win because mm-hmm. if we're in that thought process and mindset to begin with is that, you know, we're just stamping our feet and just I just need to be heard. Even just that is saying yeah. I'm going to go in and win because it's a victory in that moment. This is when it mm-hmm. gets really bad, I think. And for women that are listening, if you have to go into a relationship or a conversation thinking that I'm going to make sure that I'm heard, yeah. <laughs> that's also setting up that competitive attitude. So if I, if I notice that and recognize that, now it, there's still very real emotions that can come up like anger, frustration, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. especially if you're put on the defensive immediately, you mm-hmm. can be triggered. But if you can just focus on, it's like the only way, the mm-hmm. only way to come out of this conversation is mm-hmm. to eliminate the competition and try to create more connection. Yes. In the Absolutely. conversation and ensure that there's actions. Like we go back to your ex towards the beginning of our, mm-hmm. of the show today mm-hmm. when he would forget about it the next day. That's why I asked the question. It's like, what decisions or what actions came out of that conversation? You're like, nothing. Right. <laughs> and, that's yes, part of the problem. That's why right? he dismissed it. And it was gone as soon as it happened because yeah. his win would have been, okay, this is over now. That's mm-hmm. the win in his mind. So mm-hmm. if, it, if it's a man and you're thinking, I just need to get through this and then that's my win. And if you're a woman and you're thinking, I just need to be heard and that's my win. That's mm-hmm. still coming to this from a place mm-hmm. of disconnection. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. And I think it's when we, I always try and go a layer deeper, a layer deeper in yeah. terms of understanding it. And also so that we can have compassion for each other around the disconnection so that we yeah. can then identify the problem better to come up with a solution. And, and so in that, I think for a lot of men, they don't know what to do. They yeah. don't, ha- if they don't have any solutions, that leads them to be dismissive that leads them to shy away from another conversation but they they feel so inadequate yeah right and so it's better to just say i don't know what to do but i'm gonna i want to figure this out with you let me go do some research let me go talk to some other people i mean this is the first time that's still exactly and it's it's demonstrating investment too yeah Right. So it's really important. You know, this is the first time in my coaching career that men are coming to me to say, um, I recognize that I need to invest in more emotional intelligence growth, not just for my relationship, but for myself. It's always been in relation to their careers that men have come to me to say, um, I realize I have an issue with anger. I yeah. do not know how to control my anger and it's destroying. Um, not just personal relationships, really, again, it's about their careers. 
I don't want to sabotage this opportunity in my career, or I need to invest in my emotional intelligence growth for my career advancement. And this is the first time, you know, because of the, um, these TikTok videos that men are saying, I need to understand myself better for me yeah, and for my partner. Yeah, you got it. That's good to hear too, because it's a, yeah. it's a, <laughs> I couldn't have done this show with you, you know, five years ago. Really? Uh, really? Would it have set you off? <laughs> Not so much, but it just, it's the amount of work that I've invested into myself over these years too. Mm-hmm. You know, cause it, mm-hmm. it takes that and coming back to where, you know, you've got this, these two wins to, that you're looking to have the win in the conversation, or really it becomes an argument if you're even thinking going into it or during it that I'm going to win this thing, you know, yeah. even on a subconscious level because and this is really to look at it from the inverse for everyone that's listening to it if you're a a woman understand when you go into a conversation that your dude is going to want to present a solution (laughs) yeah (laughs) and as long as that solution is from a place of action and creating deeper connection it's a Mm -hmm. good thing if he's Mm -hmm. looking for a solution just to squash the conversation in the moment that's a bad thing but that's the inverse on the other side is that as a man you need to go into that conversation and say i know she's going to want to be seen and heard yeah yeah and And I'll and I want, a it, solution. I want to do that. Yes, yeah. because if I genuinely see and hear her, my solution is going to be much more appropriate <laughs> after the fact. No, exactly, exactly. And if I present the wrong solution, she may feel even less heard. And, and yeah. so I think the timing, like we talked about, the timing of that is important. It's also part of the growth for men. And even for somebody like myself, I'm very solution focused. I mean, my teenage kids say to me that sometimes I jump in with solutions too quickly. Right. And so it's also important for all of us to learn how to sit with the discomfort of, I don't have an answer right now. Yeah. I don't know, but we can figure this out. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's part of the conversation too, to start off with making sure you understand where the other person is coming from, that the goal is around, like you said, the goal is around connection, right? We've been told for years that the goal is around effective communication and that's part of it, but that's not, that's not the real goal. Yeah. We use effective communication to create meaningful connection. The goal is connection. And if there's no opportunity to create that, if that's not the goal, then Mm -hmm. it's probably time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You start to notice the patterns as you was talking, you were talking about, I didn't mean to cut you off there. What were you going to say? Because that's a, that is the pattern, isn't it? Yeah. I I was going to say that I, I, I think that in terms of connecting more of this, that the other, the other reason that men are stepping forward with solutions um, sometimes too quickly is because they're uncomfortable with feeling inadequate. If you have solutions, you don't feel inadequate. Truth. Right? Yeah. So it's important to, to be okay with sometimes not having a solution and to understand that doesn't make you inadequate. Yeah. Right. And then what you're saying in terms of women initiating these conversations that some thought it's important for some thought to go into how they're initiated. If they're initiated with a complaint immediately your partner is going on the defensive and, and these complaints that I hear within both people in the partnership doing is it's often a complaint, not about behavior. It's about the character of the person. So instead of saying, when you do this, I feel like there's no consideration for what's going on for me. They'll say you're selfish. So 
initiate the conversation with a request with being assertive about what you want and 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 try and veer away from the complaints and if you are lodging a complaint yeah yeah, yeah. exactly exactly wow where do we go in society from this moment because there's a lot that have come out of last year still i feel that they still feel stuck yeah. You know, and it's, uh, th- there was something I was looking at on Instagram, you know, the wonderful swipe things. And it's like, you know, yeah. and it said, the only thing I didn't like was where it said being alone is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's like, well, not really, because if you're in this scenario, like you and I were talking right now, because it was talking about separation and all these things, but then it's mm-hmm. like being alone is okay. And it's like, well, I don't know if you want to take it from that perspective, because right now you are alone and it's not okay. <laughs> you're alone even in the moments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. And and I think, I think it's tricky because we like to stick things in boxes with labels and say, that's what it is. That, and so we want to continue to be flexible in terms of how we understand things. So it's not just being alone is okay. Yeah. Sometimes we want to f- have moments of time where we're alone with ourselves so that we can reconnect to ourselves. Right. Yeah. And h- how we've been suffering collectively globally is from loneliness is from disconnection. I think one of the reasons that that first video of mine went viral is because people heard it in a different way because of this experience of being isolated from each other during this COVID experience, right? So I think hopefully people are understanding that if we prioritize feeling connected with people, we will naturally feel more fulfilled in our lives. And that means connecting with ourselves too. Oh, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Yes. As we round this out, you know, cause that connecting with ourselves also includes trusting ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> to be able yeah. to, to carry things out, you know, and th- this is full circle and I love it because we'll, we'll, we'll bookend it with this here. From the beginning, we were talking about, you know, how you, you get scared in the moment or you feel like you're going to be alone, but you already yeah. are alone. And that actually, you know, and then it comes to, well, females don't feel like they can really provide for themselves when really they are already. <laughs> They're Absolutely. carrying the emotional labor, almost 100% of it. They already typically make plenty of money, you know, a lot yep. of times even more than men. You know, how do you help people create that trust, especially women in themselves? It's a process. It's, it's helping them recognize where they are trusting themselves and where they aren't. And, um, you know, as a coach, there's more of a focus on present to future than, let's say, a therapist past to present. And yet it's still important to recognize how childhood wounds are playing into this, that some people have more of a fear of abandonment, right? Because of stuff that's gone on in their childhood. So to understand for them, part of the reason that you're maybe feeling this intense sense of loneliness and this fear of leaving your relationship is because of what happened in childhood, right? So in terms of self-trust, part of it is, you know, when people say to me, I don't know how to start this process, tell your truth. You don't have to have the answers yet. Just speak about what you are genuinely feeling and experiencing. And as you hear yourself saying those words to people that you trust, you then start to trust yourself more, right? So it's a process that then when you make a decision and you take action and you recognize, well, this feels good, that builds self-trust. I just did the right thing for myself, right? Like for me, leaving my marriage as sad as it was, those first weeks in my own place, I mean, I just felt 
I felt free, I felt happy, I felt a sense of peace. That um, added to my sense of self-trust. I just did the right thing. I listened to myself. I trusted myself that it was this was right for me. And here's the proof, right? This feels good, you know? Uh, validating your own your own existence really yeah <laughs> yeah like, absolutely yeah absolutely. i love it Gemma. You, this conversation has been incredible today thank you i hope yeah, thank you <laughs> thank you for having me it's been very fun <laughs> you bet everyone go to gemmarainecoaching.com and on tiktok same thing at Gemma Rain Coaching. go check That's out right. the viral videos it's amazing and anything else that Gemma comes out with because this is just incredible you're a guest that i would love to invite back at some point if you're willing to because it's oh i would love to love our, I would love amazing to. conversation thank you Gemma thank you so much for having me